Cerruto. Try it again. Fans on the feet. 6,000 in attendance. The payoff is flied into right field, going back at the warning track at the wall. It's gone! Go ahead, three-run home run for the senior! Peter Ceruto has given the Indiana Hoosiers the lead! Welcome to Talking Hoosier Baseball. We are recording this on Wednesday, February 13th, 2024. I am Carl James, joined by Chris Feeney and Cassidy Palmer. Cassidy is already in the Carolinas ahead of opening weekend. The rest of us will join her on Thursday. Uh, Cass, what is the weather like down south? Well, some periodic rain, but outside of that, it's been 60s and sunny and just absolutely gorgeous. So knocking on wood that that sticks around for the weekend. Well, we definitely hope so. In just 66 hours from this recording, the Indiana Hoosiers will take the first at bat of only the second Division I college baseball game of this season. Uh, this will be against number 12 Duke at 11 a.m. at the home of the host, Coastal Carolina. Uh, the opening game of the baseball at the beach is typically the national kickoff, and the eyes of the nation now will be on Conway, South Carolina, as the Big Ten's elite offense of the Hoosiers face off against the Blue Devils' elite lefty ace, Jonathan Stantucci. Uh, the big news that we just found out today is that the entire weekend will be streamed on ESPN+. Plus. So Hoosier fans here in Indiana and around the country will be able to watch the game. Uh, originally, this was only going to be the Coastal Carolina games that were going to be streamed, but Indiana Duke game in particular is getting a lot of national attention. And Coastal answered the call to get all of the series covered with the announcers, and they have promised multiple camera angles. Uh, another note on coverage, IU's audio stream this weekend will feature Austin Render, who uh, usually doesn't make opening weekend, uh, but a gap in the IU women's basketball schedule is allowing Austin Render to make the trip out to the beach. Um, ben Haller, who is who has called games in the past for WIUX, um, including the call you just heard in the introduction to this podcast, uh, will cover the games that Austin misses due to his basketball obligations. Uh, to get us going in this podcast, uh, Chris has the preview for Indiana's first opponent, number 12, Duke. Nice. Thanks, Carl. And I really think it was a great job by the students. Uh, from my understanding, they're all Coastal Carolina students that have jumped in to do these broadcasts. And College Baseball Central kind of heard that it wasn't on. Like I know a Fleming, I believe his name is. And he jumped in and, and really it became an issue. Like, wait a second. You know, these are three tournament teams and Coastal's just going to show their games. So I think the the buzz, like you said, it really changed the the vibe. And they were like, wait, we have to show these games. They have to be on ESPN+. Plus. So I'm really glad that that happened. Um, and the first one, it's IU Duke. I mean, this is a big time game. Uh, Duke was a win away from the uh, going to Omaha last year. They were 39 and 24 for the season. Um, they went to a regional, but believe it or not, it was the Coastal Carolina regional. And it, it was a, the Coastal forced the game seven, but then Duke won the game seven. So then they went into the Supers against Virginia. They won the first game against Virginia. But then they got outscored 26 to six in the next two games and they lost both. So they were sitting there one game away, one win away from Omaha just last year to Duke Blue Devils. Obviously out of the ACC, I don't got to tell anybody that. Um, they're basically a team that in the last five years, three years, they've made the Supers. Okay, so this is a battle-tested team. This is a team with a lot of talent. Now, they have lost a bunch of offense from last year. That, that's a fact. They're going to be counting on some freshman bats coming up. Uh, we got a Devin Obi and a Tyler Albright outfielders who had good freshman years, but they're going to really be leaning on them uh, for, you know, the, the second season, the sophomore, because they're going to be playing a bigger role on the team. But Duke's real, real emphasis is on pitching, okay? They've got three uh, relievers out of, like, the top 100 in, in, in D1 baseball. They've got Jonathan Santucci that Cole mentioned already. Big-time starter, can hit 96 miles an hour easy. Big-time slider, a plus-plus slider. That's the pitch that I think that really is going to see what we can do against him if we can get that slider. 
D1 gave out a lot of information on Duke in their previews, and, and they said he could easily be a, a, a first-team All-American. So, Stantucci coming out the gate at 11 a.m. on opening day, I'm excited. I, I really think that this could be a real good test for our guys. Now, they, they roll a little bit like us, though, because they also have relievers that could come in for five innings and just shut stuff down, like a craft or like Holderfield two years ago, or however you want to look at it. Uh, they've got a Fran Osho. These are all lefties, these three guys I mentioned. So they've got kind of lefty arms. Fran Osho, uh, he's on a preseason third-team All-American. James Talon, he had 12 saves for them last year. So he was the back end. But now, from reading, it looks like they're going to even try to lengthen him out, kind of like a kind of Foley maybe that we're doing with him this year. And then we've got an Owen Prosk. Not sure if that's how you say it, but that's what I'm going with. Uh, he's got a 93-mile-an-hour heater. And he's real deceptive. He's a funky guy. It's hard to pick up the ball. And, and I don't know, in years past, we've seen we've had a little bit of trouble with that, with guys who are deceptive. So that's something to look at. A lot of arms coming out of this bullpen. These Blue Devils can pitch and pitch and pitch some more. So with them being so lefty heavy, too, you know, and, and a lot of our strengths are left-handed bats, it's going to be like my strength versus yours, and let's see what happens, you know, first game of the season. So it's, it's a little wild to just – hit out of the gates like that. But, yeah, I mean, I like it. It's exciting. Uh, to just go into their record a little bit last year, they were 10-7 and seven on the road. They were 5-5 five and five in neutral games. Again, this is last season. It's a whole nother campaign, but that's what, what Duke was last year. And I got to tell you, for them playing in this stadium that we're playing in, I don't know, this is like, you know, their second home. They won the Coastal Regional last year. And then two years ago, they won the series at Coastal. So they played there a lot. They, and, and, you know, it's not going to be unknown territory for them where it might be for us. We haven't been there in, damn, four years, I guess it was, when Kalefa hit that grand slam uh, on that Sunday. So we have played there before, but it's been a while. Like Saul Frank was on that team. And, you know, it's it's been a while since we've played out at Coastal Carolina. Beautiful stadium, if anyone who has ever been there. Um, you know, we're hoping for some nice warm weather, and, and we'll see. Friday morning versus Duke. And that's where we're going to be at. I know I am just itching, ready to go right now. What is it? Three days to go with the Cardamatis in a way. And then we'll see what happens uh, for game two. We're going to play those coastal Carolina. What are they? Chanticleers. I believe you say it. Uh, yeah. Carl's going to let us know about uh, coastal Carolina. Yes. Coastal Carolina uh, ranked 18th in the nation coming in. Uh, like Chris mentioned, this was a, a regional host team uh, last year. Uh in, in a broad stroke, Coastal Carolina is in much the same boat that the Hoosiers are in. Uh, they're loaded with hitters, absolutely loaded with hitters. Uh, they are turning over their experience starting pitching, and that's kind of where their question marks are. Coastal is returning seven starting position players who is a group averaged a 311 batting average. Uh, that group also belted 78 home runs. So this is just the guys that are coming back in the starting lineup. Um, they are balanced. Um, you know, they, they don't talk a whole a whole lot about star power here, just because there's just no real holes in the lineup. Every one of these guys is just gets the job done. Uh, what positions they did have to fill, they did via the transfer portal. One of the things they brought in was a lot of speed via the portal. Um, there just isn't an easy out anywhere in this lineup. Um, Coastal does have a lot of quality arms. Um, but they may be piecing together innings on the mound, um, you know. Not, again, not unlike what we expect Indiana to do. Uh, potential starters uh, could be a couple of righties. They've got a JUCO transfer, uh, Alexander Meckley, and a transfer from Cal State Fullerton, Trevor Hinkle, that are potential starters. Um, but again, I, I doesn't seem like this was a massive, even when D1 analyzed it, like we don't really know how they're really going to deploy pitching, especially on Saturday. So, you know, we'll just have to wait and see uh, how they decide to approach that. And part of that, you know, just like us may depend on how they do against George Mason on, uh, on Friday. Um, the pitch, the position that they are strongest at is clear. And that is catcher. They have not one, but two catchers who are rated in the top 20 and rated even higher than Brock Tibbetts is coming into the season. Um, those are uh, Caden Bodine and Derek Bender. Um, and uh, it's going you know, to be the case. One will be catching and one will be the DH uh, for that game. But they have you know, absolute superstars 
Um, and then, of course, Indiana has a top 20 superstar in Brock Tibbetts. So you're going to see a lot of quality catching in the uh, in that Saturday game. All right. So now I'll hand it over to Cass to preview the Sunday matchup with George Mason. Thank you, Carl. Uh, yes. So facing George Mason on Sunday, also at 11 a.m., uh, we're getting some good morning baseball going on this weekend uh and george mason uh was picked by d1 to finish ninth of 12 in the atlantic 10 uh so not quite in the same position as indiana and duke and coastal in this discussion uh but kind of feels like a bit of a broken record because like iu uh, George Mason has a veteran returning position player group, and their big question mark is pitching. Uh, it sounds, sounds a little bit like a broken record already, but uh, where George Mason really seems to shine is on the base paths. They are fast, and they run and run and run some more. Uh, last year, they uh, led the A-10 in stolen bases by almost 30. Like, that is massive. Uh, some of those veteran players to watch for, for are uh, South Trimble, who hit 327 last year. He's a, I don't know how we're calling it, senior plus. I don't know if that's what we're still using, but that's what I'm using. Uh, and he led the stolen base group at 25 on the year. Uh, Jordan Smith is probably the best pure hitter on the team, uh, hit 325 last year, another senior, again, veteran, um, but he's evidently also a very solid outfield defender. Uh, so like we're going to see a lot of uh, great catching this weekend. Well, we might see some great outfield as well. Uh, Connor, I'm going to guess on this, uh, Dystra, it could be Distra. Uh, he's their big run producer and and could be their biggest power guy uh, this year. He had 33 RBI last year. And then uh, Brett Stallings uh, is an excellent, he's a second baseman, excellent defender, and really quick on those base paths. Uh, they do have three key returning probable starting pitchers. Uh, in Ben Shields, Chad Gartland, and Ryan Peterson. Uh, last year, they combined for 29 starts and more than 180 innings pitched. That's that's a lot. Uh, likely won't face Shields. He is the most likely Friday guy for George Mason. He's a lefty uh, and ended up uh, at the, in the Cape Cod League over the summer. And there's talk that he could pitch his way onto some draft boards if he can pound the zone a little bit more consistently. Uh, Gartland and Peterson are both right-handed pitchers. Uh, Gartland really likes the splitter and and tends to thrive in, in the big opportunities, uh, whereas Peterson is really the kind of pitchability righty of the group. Their biggest question mark is that bullpen. Uh, it's very heavy on transfers and a freshman class that while the coaching staff is excited about it, it's still a freshman class. There's always going to be question marks when it's a when it's freshman heavy. The big one to watch there is Connor Eaton, who's a lefty, uh, could end up being the midweek starter uh, once those games start up. Uh, he missed last year with Tommy John. He's a retro freshman, but definitely expect to see him in the mix in this opening weekend. And so that's the big preview with uh, George Mason. And now Carl will take a look at Tuesday's home opener. The fact that we're talking about a home opener in February always gets. <laughs> Let's me. go. February opener, opener. <laughs> Miami of Ohio. That's right. Baseball at the BART is uh, is now less than a week away. Uh, Miami <laughs> will bring a veteran offense to the BART uh, a Tuesday at 4 p.m. 
the Red Hawks did make a coaching change after a trio of losing seasons. Uh, Brian Smiley is the new coach, and he is no stranger to either winning baseball games or playing against the Hoosiers. Um, he was the associate head coach at Super Regional Team Indiana State last season. Um, Smiley has brought in a huge transfer class. So this Miami team was already pretty veteran, and then they brought in even more veterans. So this is a very old and experienced team. Uh, the Red Hawks return the max leader in slugging percentage. Uh, their third baseman, uh, Rylan Zoborowski. Uh, another player to look out for is the center fielder, Zach McDonald, uh, who got some uh, positive playing time on the Cape this past summer. So uh, all four teams we're talking about had to, had players at the Cape. Um, Miami will have their hands full this weekend before they play the Hoosiers, as they're going to open the, se uh, the season with a series at South Carolina. So they'll be playing in South Carolina as well, but they're going to be playing three games uh, <laughs> against the SEC foe. Um, at this point, there's really no good way for us to tell what pitching they're going to possibly throw during a, a midweek contest after three games at South Carolina. So we're just going to kind of have to <laughs> wait and see how that shakes out. Um, this game will be uh, streamed on uh, B1G plus uh, attendance is free and open to the public. Uh, the BART does not start ticketing until March. So there's two February games that, uh, that do not require tickets. So no excuse to not get out to the BART and watch some baseball four o'clock on Tuesday. All right, well, now that we've taken a look at the coming opponents, it's time to take a good hard look at this Hoosier baseball team. Uh, and we will start with what has to be one of the most stacked positions we have ever seen. Uh, Cass will discuss this incredible outfield. Yes, and Carl, you, you stole my phrasing exactly. I, I have it as this group is stacked in all caps in my notes. Uh, I mean, when you've got your your three probable starters all counted among the top hundred in the nation, uh, that you, you know you're you're, you're onto something there. Uh, and those, those three are Devin Taylor uh, is uh, ranked 14th outfielder in the country. Carter Matheson at 40 and Nick Mitchell at 50. Like that's to, to have that kind of depth. And that's only the first three uh, is just insane. Uh, so starting with those three uh, as a freshman last year, again, as a freshman, uh, Devin hit 315 on the season with a 1080 OPS and clobbered 16 home runs. Just unreal. Uh, also uh, had 13 doubles and three triples. And the thing that stood out to me was as a freshman, his strikeout rate was under 25%, which is usually a very good sign of long-term uh, hitting. And and while he did have a few freshman moments out in the outfield, uh, he still held up a 926 fielding percentage, uh, which again in a freshman freshman uh, year, that is that is solid. Uh, he's the reigning Big Ten Freshman of the Year, second team preseason All American by Perfect Game, and is pretty well the unanimous preseason Big Ten player of the year by everybody who does that designation. Uh, Perfect game, D1 and Baseball America. I'll put him on there. Uh, Carter Matheson, uh, now a junior. Uh, he hit 311 last year with a 964 OPS, uh, double-digit 10 home runs, 15 doubles, and also had three triples. He also had 41 walks, which led the team last year. Uh, strikeouts were a little high, but those walks balanced it out very well. Uh, he he also had a bit of a rough go in the field with four errors and 26 chances. Um, but I, again, that's an area that's going to improve over time as you get more time there. 
Uh, he was named to the preseason All Big Ten team by Perfect Game. And rounding out the starting group, likely starting group, uh, is Nick Mitchell, who's a junior transfer from Western Illinois. In his couple of seasons there, he hit 348 in 95 games, which is, you're doing pretty good if you can maintain 348 across multiple seasons. Uh, he had 131 hits in those two years with 70 runs, 22 doubles, and 38 stolen bases. So kind of like I was talking about with George Mason, he he wants to run too. Uh, and uh, after uh, watching Philip Glasser uh, con continuously get some on-base streak kind of magic going, uh, Nick Mitchell last year reached safely in 30 straight games, and he led Western Illinois in all offensive categories. Uh, before coming to IU for the year, he was a Summer League All-Star at the Cape. And so those are the three probable starters, but there's more right behind them. Uh, you have Morgan Colopy, who's been fighting through injuries on and off, uh, but last year he did have that huge walk-off homer against Iowa in the 10th inning, and that was really fun to see. So uh, a healthy Morgan Colopy is dangerous at the plate, and he's dangerous in the field. Uh, love to see him playing healthy again. And all of this is not to discount Andrew Wiggins, who's the number seven overall incoming freshman in the country and it, what an off an outfield group for him to come into as a freshman where he's going to be fighting just to to get into the outfield uh even as the number seven overall incoming freshman uh he was a high school all-american uh, out of heritage christian in indy and he was named the preseason Big Ten Freshman of the Year by D1 and Baseball America. Uh, another person to put in that outfield group is uh, Sam Murrison. He's largely been a defensive substitution, uh, and he absolutely thrives there. I'm going to knock on a bit of wood here, but uh, and you will not hear me say this again once the season gets started. He in his career, and this is his fourth year. Uh, he has zero errors on his career out in the outfield. That's what said it once, never saying it again. <laughs> uh, he is the defensive master of this outfield. Uh, even if he's not a starter, he he thrives there. Uh, I'm also going to take a quick. A uh, quick look at DH because this because DH can really just be a continuation of this outfield group at this point because it's stacked both defensively and offensively. Uh, so I would expect most of the time that the DH will come out of the outfield group. It'll be one of whoever's not starting on any given day. Um, I would expect uh, expect to see Colopy and Wiggins in that mix a lot. Probably Wiggins to start off. Um, it's always easier for freshmen to start off in the DH, get acclimated to it, and then go into the field if you have the luxury to ease them in like that. Um, we could see some other newcomers and freshmen in there in the DH role during midweeks a little bit. Uh, but I would really expect it to expect DH to largely be filled from that outfield group because, like we've said, it's stacked and you can't play five or six outfielders at one time in a game. So I, I'd expect to try to sneak a fourth in there with DH. Uh, so that's the uh, outfield group. Hey, Chris, what do you have on the infielders? Well, we definitely didn't hide the lead because we obviously came out strong with the outfield. Uh, 
it's kind of it's like a little uh, underwhelming to have to address another uh, program part of the program here with the outfielders being so prominent with all the preseason hype with Nick Mitchell. I mean, if you guys haven't seen this guy play, we've seen him play in the fall. We've seen him in practices. He's a special guy. He's a five-tool player. He can do it all. Uh, I can't wait to see him opening day, you know, and throughout the year. But uh, I'm going to look at the infield, and it's some names we know, and it's some names we don't, right? Uh, I'm going to start with third base, Josh Pine. I think we know him. Uh, Big-time leader of the crew. And uh, pretty much took the field from opening day at Clemson, and it's been his spot ever since, you know? He's earned it. It's been his. I think he got hurt. I think he missed maybe two games or something. I remember he had some injuries. Maybe it was at Victory Field or something, if I remember. But he didn't miss much time. Basically, his whole time he's played that, that's been the hot corner, and it's been his. Excellent defense, uh, whether it's the hot shots, whether it's the bare hand when he makes the play like, uh, you know, Robin Ventura. I won't say Scott Rowland. So, you know, (laughs) the third baseman that can do it, you know, making that bare hand toss, you know, he's really got that. Well, the, the play to the line where he one hops it to first base, he's just amazing at D. And, and, and that's, you know, we're not even talking about his offense, right? He can go foul line to foul line. He can uh, head high line drives wherever you want him. Uh, and, and I'd expect even some more power from him this year. Uh, if you haven't seen him yet this year, he's a bigger dude than he's been. So I'm going to think that there's going to be some more power out of uh, uh, Josh Pine this year. Uh, that's just going to be a prediction for me. Watch the extra base hits go up. Watch the home runs go up. So that would I would assume is our starting third. Uh, our starting shortstop obviously has moved on to the Washington organization, the Washington Nationals. We did actually see him at the bar the other day uh, take the field and take some grounders. He was throwing them over to Joey B before we talked to uh, Coach Glant, which was cool. I didn't even know it was him at first, I'll be honest. Carl had to tell me. I didn't recognize him. I thought it was just somebody out there, you know, I didn't know who it was. But, uh, yeah, Phil Glasser was out there. Apparently, he's been hanging with the team the whole time, and he doesn't have to report yet, so that's cool. Uh, Tyler Cerny, though, will be taking the reins at shortstop. Okay? Honestly, he probably could have rolled right into shortstop last year. This was his thing. Like, defense, the great arm, range, athletic plays. But Phil Glasser was here. He wasn't playing shortstop, so he had played second. That's just the way it worked out. But that's his spot now. Uh, I've seen a few practices. He's he's the goods. He can make the throw from a six-plus hole, whatever you want to call it. Uh, he can make that person jump throw. I'm not going to say that guy's name either. But, you know, I've seen some really cool plays from him in the, in the hole. He seems to have, you know, turning two. He's got confidence up there. But Tyler Stern is really going to be the general of the infield, I would think, there at shortstop. Uh, you know, shortstops, that's just their spot. Um, I would even think, I mean, he had 10 homers last year, which I did not expect. I'm going to be up front 40 RBIs with 43 RBIs. Didn't expect that either. I just expected real solid D from freshman coming in, but he can hit man. And he can hit for power with ease. Like it doesn't even, he's hitting homers dead central. So, you know, expect some more power from him would be great too. Second base is a newcomer, Brandon Burkle coming out of Houston. This guy he seems to know what he's doing, man. Big baseball IQ. I've been saying that since I've seen him play in the fall. Seems like a real guy who's plugged into the team from when he got here. Guys seem to respect him. He's a little bit older. You know, he's a transfer. Uh, I wrote down here 43 – no, excuse me, 24 steals. 43 was uh, Cerny's RBIs. Uh, 24 steals for Barker last year for Houston. And we talked to him in some postgame pressers through the uh, preseason here. He wants to run. <laughs> I asked him, you know, what, what can fans expect from you? And he said, you know, hard work, lots of activity, lots of athleticism, and I'm going to run. And, and he kind of seemed to know he was going to fill the bottom of the order, too. And he, he spoke on that, and he seemed totally fine with that. He just wanted to get on base so other guys could drive him in. So it seems like Brandon Burkle knows what's up there. Now, as far as the backup spots, um, if, God forbid, Josh Pine would go down, my opinion – from watching practice, I've seen Burkle at third a lot, okay? They, like when Pine goes to do his hitting, Burkle's playing third, and he's good. All right, he was catching line drives that were coming from Colopy and from Brock. He was making nice throws to, you know, turn two. So I would assume that Brandon Burkle would be the backup third baseman. Don't know this for any kind of fact, but, you know, from what I see. Um, backup at short, take a shot, Hayden Carlson, young guy out of California. He played some short in the fall. 
he got sped up a little bit a couple times. I'm not going to lie. You know, it was his freshman, you know, first time D1 fall ball. But he also made some real nice plays and um, turned two really well, too. A couple times he got sped up, but that was it. And then to back up second base, uh, Jason Oliver out of Michigan or out of Illinois. No, he is out of Michigan. My fault. He is out of Michigan. And and he had originally signed to go to Michigan. And he changed his mind. He said, you know what? I'm going to go with Mercer and the gang. And uh, he he uh, decommitted from Michigan, and now he's with us. He was actually uh, number two shortstop overall in Michigan. But obviously, Cerny's got that spot now, right? So maybe Oliver falls into second base. There's a lot of, you know, ways to play this. And, you know, maybe on a midweek, Tyler gets a day off. Maybe on a midweek, Josh gets a day off. And then we can, you know, put in Oliver and Carlson, however we want to do it. There's a lot of choices for Coach Mercer and the crew. But I really think up the middle, we're going to be solid, right? You know, these guys seem to really connect well. Uh, Brandon Burkle spoke about it in the preseason pressers that him and Tyler really seem to click. And, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how this infield can perform. Um, first base, am I supposed to do first call? Remind me. Yes. So for going over to first base, uh, obviously the, <laughs> the leader in the clubhouse, we're all hearing is Brock Tibbetts. Uh, you know, not only is he going to catch – but he's going to play a bunch of first, right? Because I don't think he's ever going to want his bat out of the lineup. And like Cass said, we got 14 outfielders. One of them got a DH. So, you know, Brock will play some first and a lot of catcher. And then behind him, again, depending on how coach wants to work this out, Joey B, uh, I'm going to give it a shot. Joey Brzezinski, maybe. I, I usually just say Joey B. Uh, real Brincheski. Good. Brincheski. Brincheski. Thank you, Carl. Uh, Joey B. Uh, if he's hitting, they might really want to put him out there at first. He seems to know the position well. Uh, you got A.J. Shepard out there with the first baseman crew. We've watched him practice. Jake Stadler coming over from Purdue, a primarily a, a catcher also. Could fill in a couple games at first base. And then there's a Cal Sefcik that Coach Mercer brought up a couple of times about his athleticism and his bat at the plate. So, I mean, from what we've all heard and what we know from Coach Mercer – if you're hitting, if you're hitting those head high line drives, if you're getting on base, if you're taking advantage of your time at the plate and you're and you're hitting the spots you're supposed to and letting those other balls go by, you're gonna play. So Cal Sefsa could be a name we say play for first base as well. There's a lot of pieces to the puzzle, man. I talked to Glenn about it, about the pitching puzzle. Well, the infield puzzle, it might not be nationally ranked, like Cass said with our outfielders, but they've been here a lot longer and, and you'd expect that from them. But I'm pretty excited about this infield and you just have to see how it plays out. I mean, every team has injuries, right? So there's going to have to be opportunities where someone's going to have to fill in next man up type of thing. And we'll just see how it plays out. Uh, Carl's going to talk about the pitching staff uh, coming up next. Yep. Well, like Chris mentioned, uh, he and I sat down with uh, coach Glant, Co- coach Justin Glant, the pitching coach last week. Um, I really highly recommend that uh, you go uh, watch and listen uh, to that conversation because that'll tell you a lot about uh, you know what the what the coaching staff is hoping for out of the pitching staff in 2024. Um, to be honest, they are still keeping a lot close to the vest, um, and there is still a lot I think they don't know, <laughs> and uh, they're they're trying to kind of piece all this together, and and may not really kind of have it pieced together for for a few weeks until they've really got some competitive games to look back on. But that being said, let's talk about what we do know. Um, Indiana will likely employ a strategy that does not hold back key options for later in the weekend. Uh, This turned out to be successful in 2023 as Indiana used its likely second and third starters uh, to beat West Virginia on Friday in the Lexington Regional. Now, what this means is – you know, we only expect a starting pitcher to be named for Friday and a kind of a fulfill, familiar TBA being slated for Saturday and Sunday. The f- thought process is this. Uh, see where, where they are after two times through the order with the first pitcher. If the game is winnable at that point, uh, they're going to go with the next best option to, to roll off of that pitcher. Um, and you don't save that option for Saturday. You, you go and try to get that win. Uh, if the starter instead gets roughed up and IU is behind big, uh, they may put may shuffle to a you know a less proven arm, give someone young an opportunity uh, to face a good lineup. 
um, and get some experience and, and hold back that 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 next best option uh, to get things going on Saturday. So I guess the question is, who will be that first guy? Um, you know, it's sounding to me like it's likely to be one of the ref, left, excuse me, right-handed sophomores. So we're talking either Braden Reisdorf or Connor Foley. You know, reading the tea leaves right now, uh, my guess is Reisdorf being more experienced in opening uh, would be the one that's likely to get the ball against Duke. Um, I, but you know, I don't know that for certain. Um, I think we're likely to hear that soon. Uh, we will be uh, at the media event tomorrow, and uh, we're likely, I think, to hear an answer as to who that opener is going to be for Friday. Now, when you go through the process of classifying IU pitchers, uh, you really can't split them into starters and relievers. That 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 bucket, those buckets just don't work for this team. Last year, Ryan Kraft was second in total innings, uh, but almost all those innings were out of the bullpen. Um, I think the classifier. Uh, we will go. We will be as is. Can a guy go through the order and is expected to go through the order more than one time? Um, besides the guys we've listed so far, I think the staff sees uh, graduate student lefty Ty Bothwell and Gonzaga transfer Jack Moffitt as guys that they're going to trust uh, to go multiple times through a batting order. So that leaves a lot of great arms available to use one time through the order. So we've got lefty Grant Holderfield is back after missing last year with injury, and he could be a huge option. Uh, Northwestern transfer Ben Grable and Boston Co College transfer Julian Tonghini have impressed so far and may see a lot of early season action. Uh, freshman lefty Ryan Rushing has impressed, as well as freshman righty uh, Seth Bennis. Um, more returning options include Evan Whiteacre, who earned a win at the Big Ten Tournament, uh, last year, and Ethan Phillips, who already has a Big Ten Pitcher of the Week honor under his belt. Uh, redshirt freshman Jacob Vogel dialed up his heat during his redshirt freshman year and uh, during his redshirt year last year and could also see some serious action this spring. Um, I'm not going to go quite in as much depth on the pitching because there are so many arms and options. Um, unlike the position players, it is more difficult to get a read on pitching from fall ball. Uh, almost everyone pitched about an inning at a time, um, and all of them saw roughly equivalent usage. And this fall, most of them performed relatively well. Um, it'll take a few weeks of real spring competition for any of us to get a good picture on what this pitching staff is going to look like, especially as as we roll into some of the bigger series like Troy and into big and in, into big 10 play um so yeah we're, we're <laughs> a lot of that is to be determined and we will uh be reflecting on that uh throughout the weekend and and as we discuss about this team uh in future podcasts all right well those are our uh kind of position by position breakdown of what we're seeing so far with this um we did uh, get some mailbag questions in advance of this podcast, uh, so we're going to address those. Uh, Hoosiers for Life uh, asked, what are the realistic expectations uh, for Andrew Wiggins? Uh, Chris, I think you'll be able to take this one. Yeah, I mean, anybody who was following the high school ranks, as stuff has been coming up, Wiggins' name is at the top, right? Uh, big, big bat, you know, disciplined at the plate. I mean, moonshot home runs. And it, a lot of people thought he wouldn't even come here, right? There was a shot that he would go to Pro Bowl, that he would, you know, ride the buses in the minors and do his thing there. But opportunity is what I think is going to really decide Andrew Wiggins, you know, future here for this season. Because, like Cass said, he's coming into a stacked outfield, right? But I got to I gotta believe that Coach Mercer is going to find a way to get his bat, at minimum, in the order, two, three times a series, get him opportunities to to get comfortable at the plate, right? Because I remember uh, there was that whole thing with Devin Taylor playing first base for a while, right, in the beginning of last year, and Coach was getting him out there just to play and, and get A-Bs. And honestly, he didn't look terrible at first. He ended up in the outfield. But I would think that there's going to be opportunities for the young man, Wiggins, to, to play. Is he coming in highly ranked? Sure. But, you know, most of these guys were the best player on the high school team, right? Most of these guys are coming in thinking that, you know, that they're going to excel. 
And, and it doesn't always happen like that. So we're going to have to see how he performs when he does have opportunity. And, you know, college baseball isn't one and done, right? It's not like basketball, college basketball where it's like you have to do it right now because then you're going to leave. You know, baseball is a slower, gradual, uh, progressive sport where we're going to have to let opportunity show us what Andrew Wiggins can do. We know he has the talent, but he's got to be able to take advantage of the opportunities that he has so that he can get more, right? I don't see a permanent spot put in for him right off the bat, but I believe there's going to be opportunities. I don't see why there wouldn't be faith in him to continue what we've seen, right, in his upcoming. From what we understand, he's – uh, through the high school ranks, you know, he was able to pick up stuff. He was learning. He was a pitcher. I've never seen pitcher on his placard in his locker when he moved in, but I haven't heard anything about him on the mound since he got uh, through full ball and stuff. But he was talented on the mound too. And we just want to see what Wiggins can do. Sure, can he have great power and can he go extra base hits? Can he have a high on base? It's possible, but it's not going to be consistent opportunities, I believe. I think coach is going to fit him in spots when he can early. Now, by the Big Ten, you don't know. By the Big Ten, he could be playing all the time. You just don't know. And and then he'll get more opportunities, and we'll see what he's all about as far as the potential, right, and, and what we've heard about Andrew Wiggins and what he can do. I know I was real excited when I saw that he pulled his name out of that draft that night, um, and I'm glad he's with us. And I think he understands. I mean, I've never spoke to the young man, but I would think when you're coming to a team like this, you could see who's still here, you know, in the outfield and, and in the lineup that it might not happen the first six weeks, right? We're going to see what he can do. He could be a big, big piece come Big Ten season. And before you know it, I mean, you know how they say when you get to the towards the end of the year, freshmen aren't freshmen anymore? And, and he could have a, a, a real big place in this lineup and in the field. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to see, like, I just want to lower expectations a little bit is what I'm saying. Because if he's not playing every day and he's not being able to consistently get out there, I don't think we'll really see what he can do until that might happen. But he's going to have to jump with any opportunity he gets. And and I think he'll be all right. It's, he seems to know. I know the, the guy who asked, we haven't heard much about him from Coach Mercer. You know, well, maybe because he's not a starter. Maybe he's not a name that's been jumping around to start because we're so deep right now. You know, that's not a bad problem to have. we got a really, really good team. And even a highly ranked freshman coming in isn't going to bump somebody out of that. All right. Well, we do have two more questions. Uh, they came from uh, Ron McAaron. Um, the first of those uh, was asking if there is – he specified a 27-man uh, uh, travel roster limit. Um, and that number is important because that is uh, the postseason travel limit for the NCAA tournament. There's a specific um, – the team has a 40-man roster. Now, if you go to – uh com and look up the roster you'll see 43 um there are three players who are who are not going to play and have already been have already submitted medical information that are not going to play um and we discussed that before um but there's 40 players total on the roster and for the most part they're available to play in most games um the travel limits are typically just teams and putting limits on themselves simply because you're going to play three games. 40 guys aren't all going to play in three games and you're traveling on planes. It just doesn't make sense for everybody to make that trip if they're not going to play. And especially when you're going to have, you know, right off the bat midweeks where you're going to have opportunities for other guys to play. Um, the, the team will limit it. Um, I don't think there is a specific number that is required. Um, I am going to ask again about once we get to Big Ten play, because that I don't know. I know some conferences have a limit on the series that need to be declared ahead of time. Um, I will continue to ask that and try to get clarifications on what the Big Ten rules are. But non-conference, there is no technical limit, but there, the entire team is not going to travel uh, to Conway. Uh, second question is, uh, Cass is going to take that, and that is uh, just basically asking about um, how do you think uh, Coach Mercer is going to use position players and change up position players in midweek contests, uh, not unlike uh, the Miami of Ohio on Tuesday? And I'm going to give the most frustrating answer ever of it depends. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really going to depend on the opponent. 
Um, for ones like Purdue Fort Wayne, we probably will see some guy, whether it's uh, put in the starters, give them a couple innings, and then uh, go to the younger group. That that might be the idea there, or you just give give the starters a bit of a day off, let the newer guys uh, take that role. But against Vandy, against Louisville, against Indiana State, yeah, no. The, <laughs> those games are too important. And when, you, when you're at a little bit of a regional disadvantage for these midweeks, where because you're not getting all the way down into the south to take on some of the the bigger SEC schools. You're not getting out west to get some of those bigger schools. Uh, you just can't do that midweek most of the time. Uh, when when you're using the northern regional kind of area for midweeks, you have to win them all. Not maybe not all, but you've got to win them. You can't falter on these. While yeah, the midweeks aren't as important as the weekend series most of the time, they're still important when it comes to particularly getting an at-large bid. But getting any kind of advantage for postseason, you've got to win those games. So of course we'll see. Uh, we'll likely see. Differences in catcher, um, just giving knees a break at times. But uh, outside of that, I would expect a large portion of the midweeks to stay relatively the same. With again, might see some of that outfield rotate because again, lots of lots of talent there. We do want to get some of those guys some time in the field before it gets into postseason and we need them in the field uh i i would really expect it to be relatively stable with maybe if it, if we get a good lead going uh in some of those midweeks maybe then start rotating guys in and out that would be that would be my guess there if, and if cast if i could just jump in uh, yeah. One thing that, and it's my fault for not mentioning this on the preview because I didn't touch on the catchers because um, it was a lot of the first basemen are the catchers. <laughs> right. So as far as the catcher preview, um, you know, A.J. Shepard was one of them. Jake Stadler was one of them, uh, you know, to fill in for Brock. But there's also T.J. Schuyler, who I've yeah. seen has been working really hard after practice on his pop time, you know, making the throws to second base. And and just to, the reason why I thought of it, too, is because what you're speaking on, these midweek games could be a big chance to give Brock a break behind the plate. And and it might be TJ Schuyler and AJ Shepard or Jake Stadler. Because that first base group, a lot of them is it's the catcher group. It goes hand in hand, except for TJ Schuyler. He seems to be more of of just the, the catcher position. And and from the few practices I've been at, I mean everybody's inside, right? And it's him, I think Denton and 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 uh Cerny playing short to take the throws. So Skyler's really working hard on his craft, especially that throw to second base. I know keeping those runners close is a big part of our game. So, you know, a catcher, maybe every midweek could be a filling catcher. I don't know. But like you said, probably not Vandy or Louisville, but in those other those other midweeks, maybe Brock could get a break. Well, I, I have one counter to that, Chris, which is mm-hmm. Brock – I don't know how they exactly are going to rate the catching skills between Brock and the rest of the catchers. It may though come out that his first base skills are so much better than everybody else's that they may feel that it's better to give him his break on like Saturday. So to where he would play first base on Saturday because he is such an elite first baseman and then, and then would actually catch during the midweek. Um, because so it's not three in a row. Right. Yeah. And, gotcha. and also you break yeah. that. Yeah, you break that weekend up. It's not three in a row. And from a defensive perspective, you you might have a net gain by having, uh, you know, a, a, a guy like like, you know, St- Stadler uh, catching and Brock playing first, given how mm. good a first baseman Brock is. 
So, on a Saturday, on, in, yeah. rather than on right. midweek. I got you. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. then he hasn't and, done and again, three in a row. Yeah. Right. I, I just think it, it, I wouldn't be surprised if it came out that way. So because yeah. he's Schwarber, it, you're right. He would get the Sunday off. Yeah. He'd yeah. Catch the midweeks. He would catch the midweeks. Now I think about it. Not to yeah. different coaching staff, but just just to bring that up. Well, but a lot of it's the same thing. And, and part of it's also that whole that, you know, um, that there are, you know, there are national awards for the for the catching position that Brock is going to be in contention for. And there's a minimum number of games you need to catch for that. So yeah. that's where I could see the, 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 the same thing when Schwarber was was doing that. They were sort of like they made sure that he got that minimum number of, of games caught. And I think they're going to want to do the same thing for Brock. Yeah. Except the double midweek weeks. Oh, yeah. No, that, that, and again, I would say the double midweek. The point is, I, I expect him to catch three games a week in any yeah. week. <laughs> yep. Yep. Saturday being the day he might take off, right? Yeah. yeah. And maybe whoever yeah. is our Saturday opener might have a real good connection with one of these other catchers, and it might work out well that way. Yeah. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. Like a personal catcher type deal. Yeah. That one, and then the Butler four game. I don't expect Ooh. him to catch four games, including yeah, two. Especially not the, yeah, no, I, yeah, he's not. I don't think he's going to be doing the craziness that Pete did last year. You know, I think we can <laughs> just find him before we, him. And I mean, it's become like a verb, right? Like he's not going to Ceruto it. You know what I'm saying? No. Like, he's not going to Ceruto that. He's going to take a day off. It really yeah. has. It's like Ceruto is like a verb now for catching every day. It's wild. <laughs> well, then the point is Brock is going to play every day. His oh, bat, cannot, yes. come, no, his bat no. cannot come out of it. No way, you know? crazy. And no, and, no, and again, it's one of those things like, well, it, it's when you're when you when he's so elite in his secondary defensive role. Right. <laughs> it's, yeah. I mean, it's just it, 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 he's so he was you know he's so reliable. His ability to pick, his ability to reach above, given mm-hmm. how tall he is, all that stuff is just he's he's such an elite first baseman. Yeah. <laughs> It's a lot to think about when you're trying to build this team. I tell you, we got a lot of talent this year. There's a reason why the buzz is a lot more, and there's a lot more people talking about it, a lot more people voting on our little silly polls that we put out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the first hit, first homer. I'm getting yelled at for not putting the right people in the homer pool. I'm getting yelled <laughs> at about not putting the right people in the countdown. There's a lot more people paying attention. I can guarantee you that if you want to look at my message box. Yeah, but uh, – <laughs> You know, it's exciting. I, you know, it, it really is. I, and I really put that on that big push of last season. You know, we were sitting there, catbird seat the whole bit. Did it work out? No, but we were 2-2 in the sixth in game seven at Kentucky. So, yeah, I mean, we put up a good fight and we had a real good showing. And, and I think it's really rolled over to the next season, especially with the fan base. Um, you can definitely see the difference. Uh, Cass, do you have any overall thoughts you'd like to share with the group? Yeah, I'm just, well, aside from the general, very excited for the season to start, that that's the case every season. Uh, I'm really excited, excited to see what this pitching staff can do, because I think that more than anything else determines the ceiling for this team. We've got so many veteran known entities in the position players and we get to see them a little bit more in in a little bit more of a natural role in the fall uh, that we don't get to see the pitchers in. Uh, I'm really excited to see what this staff can do. Um, And especially as we move on into Big Ten play and and how that stacks up in the conference. Uh, that that's what I'm most excited to see on the year. Uh, you know, from my perspective, I just want to make sure we you know we do all put that that view of you know this is the start of the season. Yeah. Um, things could get rough, especially when you're yeah. starting out of the gate with number twelve and then number eighteen on their home <laughs> field. Um, yeah. Uh, that I think it's important that you know we we be patient. We want to see this team do well, and by all means, I think it's entirely possible Indiana goes in there and makes a splash this weekend. But it's also possible Indiana goes in there and 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 it's kind of a gut check. So it could go either way, and we're gonna see you know how that all how all that works together, and and then see how the team develops over the next few weeks. Um, 
you know, and then obviously weeks three and four are also <laughs> enormous competition. So this, yeah. this whole stretch, there is a lot to, to see how this team is going to develop over the next uh, three to four weeks uh, with a lot of really, <laughs> really tough competition. Um, and then I, and I really like the fact that they're playing, you know, midweeks in February. I, I think that's important uh, now that I've seen that I've seen them do it though. I think it really is helpful to how the team develops uh, to get into that routine right from the get go and not have not go play three critical games and then take a week off. It's you're, you're playing baseball on a consistent basis right from the beginning. As long as it's not Just, 12 degrees out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's rules, right? It can't be 28. It has to be at least 32 or something. Right. Uh, it's it's uh, it's a re- real feel of 27. Is yeah. The, oh, is that really what it is? Real feel yes. of 27. Okay. Real feel. Well, damn, the real feel today was like 55. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, Chris, do you have anything overall you wanted to share at this point? Well, I got the glasses for the beach. You know what I'm saying? I got the cooler. I'm ready. To, oh, no, I might not be able to see it with the green screen. Oh, man. Uh, I don't know if you could see it, but I got the cooler. I promise you I got the cooler. Uh, it might not be swimming the water weather, but I am definitely ready to at least put some feet in the sand, hang out, do what we got to do. And uh, mornings, it's going to be some early mornings. Like I'm not that of an early morning guy, but I've already signed up for these sunrise walks on the beach with Nancy and the boys. And I'm in. Okay. It's 11 a.m. game anyway. Right. You know, I am ready. Um, I haven't been to the beach in a while. Obviously growing up, the beach was a regular thing for me. So this is pretty cool to do baseball at the beach. And again, I understand we're not going swimming in the water like that, but even just to, you know, put your feet on the sand, relax a different environment. And then, and then go watch a baseball game at 10 in the morning, whatever it is, you know, we got there before 11, we'll get there early. Uh, We'll try to get the vibe of batting practice for everybody. Um, I'm really glad that all three are now being streamed. I think that's big. Not that Austin yeah. doesn't do a great job with the pipes on the, on the radio. He does do an excellent job, but, uh, you know, it's different guys will be at work Friday. You would think they can, you know, a little cheat from work and watch it on their computer. Um, that'd be cool. And then you got Saturday, what, three o'clock. Um, you know, it's better to put on TV the way that one was going to be on anyway. And then you got some Sunday morning thrown on the stream. So I really like that, that that just opened up today. And, and I'm just excited for the whole environment. I hang out with you guys. Um, I've got some trivia ready for when we get back. I got some questions that, you know, how we do the IU base trivia. And, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. Who's <laughs> the winner. But uh, I really am. I'm pumped up. I, I've been for a while. I've done a lot more of the media stuff with you, Carl, this this year, uh, you know, the way my schedule's worked out. And just being around the BART more and, and in the interviews and listening to the young men speak and coach Mercer and Glant. I mean, it really does it'll fire you up when you're right there listening and asking questions in person. So I am ready to go. Uh, you just let me know. Uh, we already know when we're, we're meeting. And then it's that 12-hour drive, and let's go. Yep. Yep. Uh, right there with you, Chris. Uh, and definitely looking forward to – Cass has already beat us out there. Uh, looking I know. Looking forward to, 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 to meeting up with Cass. Uh, and – any it is it's, it's going to be a great time uh i've seen some video of the field that's an it's an awesome uh you know location there uh you know this is the, the 2016 national champions uh this is going to be a uh a great uh a, a great event and a great way to kick off the season so uh we're looking forward to it um i am going to try to have a uh and it, I know it's not as big a deal because of the video, but I am going to try to have at least some level of live blog going on um, on the site. Uh, you'll see more information uh, on that. Um, and uh, while I haven't actually mentioned this to the group, you know, we want to get back. We missed it last year. We want to get back on uh, having a podcast with the four of us you know, on camera together. So we're going to try to get that done again this year. Uh, well, maybe we'll, we'll do it at the beach. I don't know. <laughs> well, plenty of time on it. Sunday. Let's do it at the beach Sunday afternoon, right on the, right. On yep. the set. Pl- plenty of time to get it done on Sunday with a game that starts at 11. Yep. Oh, yeah. That'd be cool. So, uh, uh, maybe sound-wise, it might be rough, but it'd be cool to at least <laughs> get a, uh, get the group shot on the beach. That's for sure. Yeah, we'll definitely do that. So we'll have that. It's going to be fun. Uh, and then we'll keep you we'll keep you updated. We are, as Chris mentioned, there is a media event tomorrow. So we should hopefully have at least some audio from coach that we can uh, that we can share. Uh, I assume we're going to have an announcement on uh, uh, a starting pitcher for Friday. Um, 
and uh you know and any more uh you know any more information i don't know how much else they're really gonna they're really gonna talk about but uh i can't see it oh okay. i know <laughs> it's the it's the green screen you'll see it well i'll bring it nice little mini cooler i got the iu okay. base stickers on i bring it to the football games okay all right. Well, uh, I do want to thank everybody for listening to this deep dive preview uh, for Talking Hoosier Baseball. Uh, for more on Indiana University Baseball, hit up iubase.com. Uh, for Chris Feeney and Cassidy Palmer, I'm Carl James. See you at the beach. And then on Tuesday, we'll see you at the park.